Welcome to the Akashic Reading Podcast presented by AkashicReading.com, the place where you can learn to access your soul's wisdom, or at least stop digging the hole any deeper. I'm your host, Terry Uktena, and today we'll be looking at who you are when you're not embodied and how to connect with your higher self. Most of what I teach about the Akashics is techniques which can help people who are seeking some goal. Reading a soul book, answering a question about this life or a past one, looking for a solution to a problem, going on a quest of discovery. This informs the type of experiences they're likely to have and the areas of the Akashics they'll visit. This is on purpose to support them in achieving success, but also means that I'm deselecting other experiences and possibilities from the mix. At the same time, people working with the Akashics are often seeking answers, healing, resolutions, and revelations, and this influences their actions and expectations. Like developing a scientific study or a political survey, the assumptions presuppositions and perspectives of the developer can, without care and attention to prevent it, skew the process to get the results they want to receive. To use a concrete example, someone wanting to know if the person they're attracted to, want, desire, or lust after, is meant for them, and if the two of them should be together in a permanent relationship, all evidence to the contrary, they will pose the question they ask to get that and only that result. They also tend to ignore any other result or assume the silence is assent, meaning no answer equals yes. People working in the Akashics are often looking for one type of answer, one type of experience, one solution. They often ignore, screen out, disregard or devalue all other experiences they get as irrelevant and focus on their stated goal. So they see 5% of what is available to them in the Akashics and utilize even less. This is one of the reasons I'm at pains to point out what other opportunities there are in the Akashics. There's so much else which can be revolutionary for us if we're willing to open up to it. For instance, taking a moment to recognize our connection with our higher self. In working with Kabbalah's Tree of Life as the energetic template for physical manifestation, I've been working with the point in which our embodied life and our soul are connected with the majority of ourselves which remains behind, as well as Akashic non-embodied existence, basically the rest of the universe. This remainder of self is what is generally considered to be our higher self. What this has reminded me of is the blessing it can be to remember this connection, not intellectually, not to solve a problem, to heal something or to learn something, but to be whole once again. As I tell my clients at the beginning of each reading, we don't bring all of who we are into this embodied life. We bring what we need which is perfect. For most people, the amount of self we bring is a small fraction of who we are, 15 to 25%, which allows the body to balance our knowledge of self 
with forgetfulness in order for us to focus on the experiences of embodied life. Those who bring more of themselves into life forget less, remain aware of our interconnectivity, our spiritual nature, and are gifted in a variety of ways, including being healers, mediums, leaders, and medicine people. Happy and sad for them, as with more self comes more awareness, and the more aware we are of the current state of humanity and the planet, the more difficult it is to be here and to stay here. What people do not question is what's occurring with the remainder of ourselves which stays in the Akashics? Do we take a sword and separate ourselves into bits, serving one to our body and leaving others in the bowl for later use? Do we magically put ourselves back together when this life is over? I've found no record of any soul voluntarily separating itself into bits, although this does happen at times through negative experiences and events. Usually the bits reconnect quickly and without intervention, except in extreme situations such as torture or child abuse. In these cases, soul retrieval may be necessary. In embodied life, we're not disconnected from the majority of our being, only seemingly separated from it, like having one foot in one room and one in another. The feet are not together, have no interactions with each other, but they're most definitely connected to the whole person and therefore each other, and will return to interaction within a relatively short time frame. Life is somewhat like the hokey pokey. You extend your soul into a body, then you take it out. You put your soul in a body and you shake it all about. You do the hokey pokey and you turn your beingness around, and that's what it's all about. When we remember our connection to ourselves, even briefly, even partially, the connection becomes fully active and there's a peacefulness which floods our senses. All striving and wanting and problem-solving fades away, and a heightened knowing of beingness comes back to us. While the feelings this connection elicits might for a flickering instant feel new or exotic, this is actually remembering a return to our true state, which fills us with well-being. Who we are is not these material concerns these attachments, desires, fears, or needs. We're much, much more, and these things are but minute fragments of our very rich and exponentially expansive lives as souls. It's as if we're angels acting in a play we are hurriedly writing, along with the other actors, even as we are one of the actors ourselves. When the play is done, we'll go back to our angelic life having experienced our creative process, but knowing fact from fiction. We will not confuse the actors with the parts they've played, nor will we carry our relationships with those characters as we are no longer the character we played. In various spiritualities, our higher self, the majority of our soul, is imagined like a distant cousin we see in passing during a once-in-a-decade event. The meeting being chance, the amount of time and energy for it is limited, and too soon obligations and circumstances conspire to separate us again. 
Yet we are never actually separate from our higher self, which is not higher at all. Our higher selves, the part of our soul which remains behind in the Akashics, retains a complete understanding of reality, both embodied and otherwise, therefore appears all-knowing and wise and mystical in comparison to the embodied state. Our soul, which remains in the Akashics, is in full contact with our soul book, remembers the plans we made for this lifetime, and supports us in our journey here. The Sephira Keter, the first circle in the Kabbalah's tree of life, is the interface between our soul which is here and our higher self. It's the permeable boundary between our life here and our true home, the Akashics. While it can seem as if we are separate from the boundless universe, wandering lost without wisdom or guidance, we are, in actuality, in contact with it constantly. Another way to understand Keter is as the bliss point, which mystics go to in their communion with spirit, where prayer and meditation lead, and where the possible meets the unfathomable everything. Think of it like the airlock of a spaceship. Our higher self, our guides and other souls, can come there to work with us safely, passing messages, sharing experiences, imparting wisdom, working through issues, all without disturbing our normal lives. We, in turn, can go there to ask questions, continue our spiritual growth and learning, request aid and information, work through issues, and ask for inspiration to guide us on our journeys. We do this naturally as part of our sleep and healing cycle, and without prodding, whether we remember the activity or not. Most don't, and the majority of the time, it's not necessary to remember each detail. The experiences and wisdom are immediately incorporated into our beingness, body, mind, and soul. And if we notice them at all, we consider them part of our subconscious working in the background. We are not separate from our higher selves, from our souls. Imagine, if you will, a rubber band being stretched in your hands. One part is in your left hand, and the other is in your right. If you look at only one hand, you could perceive that the rubber band resides only there. But if you look at both, you can see it's all connected. If you move your hands closer together, the rubber band relaxes, and you're able to see it is one thing. Souls are much like this. When you're in conscious connection with the Akashics, your soul moves towards wholeness, and you're able to receive the benefits of this which can and do include wisdom, healing, empowerment, and knowledge, among others. During daily life, Keter, also thought of as our seventh chakra, is the point of interface where embodiment meets the all that is. What we experience here during the day is in constant flow informing our soul. At the same time, the portion of our soul in the Akashics pours forth wisdom and comfort and grace to us in this manifested life. We're rarely conscious of the connection any more than we're conscious of our breathing, of our bodily defenses against disease, 
or the movement of our blood in our extremities. We can become aware of it in the same way we would the others, through accidents which bring them into focus without our intention, or through conscious intention. One way to consciously focus on this connection is through meditation practices geared to open and make us aware of our seventh chakra. These can be used with set intention to focus our awareness not on simple expansiveness, but on our expansive, self-determined, constrained, but uncontained self. Another way is to meditate on the Sephirah not in its role representing the unknowable, the ineffable Godhead, but in its reminder that we are not this material flesh, but instead the dust of stars. Meditating with this as the guiding image allows us to touch this connection, to move beyond the temporary boundary of our physical form. Yet another way to do this is to reach out via the Akashics. In my Level 1 Soul Book class, I provide a general meditation which allows students to experience the Akashics and practice interacting with it. This meditation can be easily modified to a large range of experiences, including recognizing this connection with our soul. Once the student is in their room, instead of seeking a door which leads to another space where they will find their gift, they can look for a door which leads them to their connection with the remainder of their soul. Going through the door allows the connection to become fully present for them in their body and in their mind's eye in the meditation. Remembering our connection with our whole self can help put things into perspective for us in this life. It's a beautiful experience and one which can be incorporated into our daily round if we're willing to experience so much joy and peace on a regular basis. And that's all the time we have this week. Next time, we'll be looking at the three most common stumbling blocks to working in the Akashic Records. If you're interested in knowing more, check out my website, akashicreading.com. Thanks. Bye.